This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm shocked. I mean, his manager has been telling me the whole time, like, look, Kim, both's going to surprise a lot of people. And I'm like, yeah, 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 Peter, sure. Uh, not Peter like, Kahn, yeah, yeah, not like that. But I mean, just kind of like, you know, okay, you know, I'm going to watch. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, the Tiafimo Lopez I saw against Lomachenko, I don't know how Cambosis beats him. I have no idea. And, uh, you know, I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at some of the videos of Cambosis, looking at the videos of Tiafimo leading up to the fight. And the one thing that I will say is Tiafimo didn't have, like, rounds with top, top, top level opposition as much as, as people give him credit for because he's got, he's got that power and he knocks people out quickly and he hurts them. But going into rounds five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, that's the only thing I could look at and say Cambosis might be able to take advantage of if he gets out of the first two rounds. But whenever Tiafimo came at him so hard in the first round, that really messed up his entire game plan. One, two, Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast, first episode of 2022. I'm Dave Schmolson, aka the Schmo. My co-host is Helen E with Helen E Sports. And today's guest, he's a returning guest. He's BJ Flores. He's the head coach of Jake Paul. He's the 1997 light heavyweight gold gloves winner. He's a cruiserweight title contender, perennial player when he was a boxer. BJ Flores, thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I hope everyone enjoyed and uh, closed out 2021 in style. So uh, good to be here. Well, speaking of closing out 2021 in style, I know that Jake Paul, who you trained, Mm -hmm. he had a great 2021 and won several accolades. Yeah, he did. uh, Just, uh, you know, so much hard work into into not even 2021 2019 2020 2021 and that was just um you know a, a small demonstration of what you know jake's able to do um three three wins two knockouts um you know knockout over a former ufc champion a very tough guy very credible guy and a good boxer was recognized as a, as a good boxer and you know jake was only on his fourth fight and uh, the way he was able to do it obviously very impressive and uh, set the shot up and just uh, he deserves everything he gets guys he really does he works his ass off and he's very very uh he's very focused and very dedicated so um you know he's can't can't say enough good things about the guy so every single opponent that he's faced professionally, he's ended up knocking out inside the squared circle. He has, yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to give him credit for that. It's tough, especially when you're coming up and you're, and you're learning the game and you're learning how to, you know, really set your opponent up. And, I mean, the kid's already in eight-round fights. You know, this is his third eight-round fight. I mean, that's not normal. Guys with, you know, two and three fights, they're not fighting eight-round fights. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's a thinker. He's, he's smart. He's got a good boxing IQ. He comes in tremendous shape. He works his ass off every single day. He's a tireless worker. And uh, it's just it's just it's been it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. So, and back to back times headlining a pay per view card, a Showtime yes. pay per view card too. At such a young age, twenty four years old, so young in his boxing career, mm-hmm. unprecedented on many levels. It is, and I'm going to say one thing that was kind of interesting. Like he came out of two fights during COVID, um, the fight with uh, Nate Robinson and the fight with Ben Askren. There really weren't crowds. So going from those two fights into a fight with Tyron Woodley with eighteen thousand, almost nineteen thousand fans screaming in Cleveland, 
that was a bit of an adjustment for Jake. Uh, it was, it was, he, he's used to the lights. He's used to all that, but just fighting, you know, coming out in, in from, from two fights, COVID to a fight where all of a sudden there's 19,000, that adrenaline, that energy, that all those feelings that you, that you have to deal with as a fighter that you have to deal with. Those were new feelings for Jake in his fourth pro fight. And it's just crazy that, you know, Tyron had, had made that walk, you know, probably 30, 35 times, a lot of times in the UFC, a lot of times the world champion, but that was still a new experience for Jake. And the second time even too, like, it was a massive crowd in Tampa. I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine the the amount of um, you know nerves and, and energy a fighter feels like coming out to a crowd like that when they've never done it before. And uh, so I'm just really proud of him how he was able to handle that because uh, there's a lot of adrenaline and uh, <laughs> it's a very it's a very tough um, uh, you know task to accomplish to go out there and fight exactly how you're training and exactly how you're doing things in the gym in front of 19,000 people on your fourth and fifth pro fight. So that's what I'm most proud about. Yeah, it's been about three weeks since December 18th. Uh, has everything really sunk in for you? How have you used this time to reflect on the moment? Um, I think just a lot of self-analysis and a lot of reflection as far as like what I can do better, things I need to do better um, in my life to make sure that I'm preparing him as, as, as to the best, best possible manner. And uh, I feel like Jake's had time to reflect now. He's had time to let it sink in. He's had time to, you know, look, I've had a great last 2021. It was the best year of my life, and he said it himself. And, uh, you know, it's only going to get better. I mean, he's got a, he's got a very bright future, and he's, he is the biggest star, big, for sure, besides Canelo. He's the biggest, you know, star in boxing, I think. Uh, pay-per-view buys, numbers, amount of fights that he's done. He's just a, he's a star, and he's got the X factor, and he's got everything you need to make it in any business, not just boxing. So, um, you know, he's going to be successful, whatever he does with the MMA. We saw the videos of him doing the MMA stuff the other day. Um, you know, whatever he does, he's going to be good at it. So it's, uh, it, it's just fun to be a part of. Well, you brought it up the yeah. MMA videos. What's, what's up with that? Look, I've, I've really had like one conversation with Jake since the fight, you know, and we texted, I, I let him go off and do his thing after the fights and, you know, just take time where we don't talk about boxing or anything. It just, it's, it's always better that way. Um, he needs time to kind of decompress and kind of reset. And uh, he's had a he's had a tremendous tremendous last twenty four months, but it's also been a, an incredible amount of work. He's been so dedicated and so focused. Um, his camps, we run the camps very very strict, and there's there's no time off at all. So mentally, it's very very tough to deal with that all the time. And as an ex fighter myself, I know it's very important that after you go through these grueling hard tough training camps, that it's a, it's important to have time where you can completely relax and just have time off, not to do anything, and just decompress. And that's what Jake needs to do for the next little bit. Can he train here and there? Of course, yeah, if he wants to, whatever he feels like. But, you know, let's not talk boxing for a little bit. Let's just let him kind of get, you know, back to normal, do a couple things he needs to do, and then, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll slowly start being like, okay, let's, let's, let's start going again. So that's kind of my, my theory on it. But as his head coach for boxing, and you see him training MMA and stuff like that, is that something that that worries you that would distract from the skill set does that add does how do you feel about all not that? at all i mean he's just a well-rounded kid he he if he wants to learn how to kick if he wants to learn how to do if he wants to do an uh you uh, an mma fight do it 100 percent. i mean i'll help any way i can anywhere anywhere possible like it's not about me it's about him so um if he that's the direction he wants to go no problem you know it, it, he, he'll be good at anything he does trust me but um he's just got such a bright future in boxing and uh that's gonna that's gonna manifest itself in the next uh you know in the next 18 months. The next 18 months is going to be a lot bigger than this last 24 months because he's just really, uh, really settling in well with some stuff and really getting more comfortable in the ring. And, uh, you know, it's just going to, it's all going to show um, in the next, you know, 2022. So not worried at all, though. No, whatever he wants to do, he can do. He's his own man. So, but it's safe to say, too, for this time, it's probably more time off 
that has elapsed since this most previous fight than any of the fights since the Ben Askren fight, the first yeah. Tyron Woodley mm-hmm. fight. So this is a legit break that he's going to have. Yeah. But it's probably the most legit, uh, unlegit time in terms of not having a clear-cut opponent for who's next for him as well, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that got to get figured out, and I think he's going to, you know, you guys are going to use this time to figure out what's the best move moving forward. Definitely a lot of factors, and that's, you know, his manager's job, Nikisa. He's going to always come up with a great game plan as far as who Jake should fight, and then, you know, we'll kind of talk about it, and we'll, we'll see who makes the most sense and uh, who's, the, who's the best opportunity and the best opponent that brings us the most exposure. And that's Nikisa's job. He's done excellent with it. So he always – he's very smart, he's very sharp, and he's, he's done a hell of a job with Jake. He really deserves manager of the year with what he's done with Jake. It's, it's incredible. But as his coach, who's someone that would intrigue you to watch Jake fight? I mean, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of guys, um, you know, obviously guys that are in the UFC now that have contracts, um, you know, uh, Masvidal and Diaz and guys like that and McGregor, a lot of guys. Like, there's a lot of guys that would make, you know, good good matchups for Jake. And um, he's going to beat these guys. And uh, that's, that's you know, obviously my biased point of view, but it's going to be very difficult for them um, to – uh, be able to do what they got to do to be able to beat Jake for eight rounds or ten rounds, um, and it's just it's just there's a, there's so many great opportunities out there. There's so many good opponents out there. Um, there's other guys too. There's I'm not even going to say some other names, but there's other good guys that they're looking at right now too for who's next. And like I said, it's not my job. I stay out of that. When they figure it out, then they'll consult me and we'll figure it out, and that's it. So um, you know, there's the <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, like I said, because it just uh, it doesn't make sense until they they kind of talk first. So. Stay oh, in my lane. I always felt that the Nate Diaz storyline was so perfect, too, because yeah. he was there. Chris Avila, his it's teammate, great. was yep. there. He fought. He yep. won. And then, uh, obviously, Nate didn't stay for the main event. He, he <laughs> left early. Um, so did Masvidal, for that matter, too. They were both at Jake's fight. Yeah. They both left early. They didn't stay there for Jake to call them out in the ring or anything like that. But, you know, Nate's got one fight left on his UFC deal, and everyone's right. talking about him fighting Dustin Poirier. Right. I don't know why that hasn't been made yet, right. but uh, presumably that would be the last fight in his deal. If that fight was locked up in Q1, then Jake and him could presumably fight in the in the summertime if that was to work out i mean i think if anybody deserves a shot to fight anybody whenever they want it's nate he's proven himself time and time again over you know an amazing career he's 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 always given the fans what they wanted to see win lose or draw he deserves he's the people's champion really is he's like he's one of those guys that gives um just a great uh spectacular show every time he fights but with that being said, um, you know, why wouldn't they make the fight with Dustin and Nate right now? Maybe there's more reasons to it. I don't know. But, you know, maybe, you know, I think this is the last fight on Nate's contract. And, uh, you know, Dana pushes that out a little more. Then it makes it more difficult to for, for Nate to make some decisions in his future about what could potentially come up. So my theory then, too, is like if Nate does not get booked in the next month or two months, like maybe they're just holding out for that trilogy fight with Conor McGregor over the summer after his leg completely heals, and yeah. that's the fight because if he's got one fight left in his contract, you don't want to miss the opportunity to have the trilogy fight with McGregor. Maybe they're holding out for that. And if that's what Nate wants, that's what he should get. You know, right. He deserves it. He's paid his dues. If that's what he wants to do, you know, God bless him. It really is. So, And there's other options, not just Nate, but it's uh, you know one of those situations where you know you got a guy who's on the back end of his career now who kind of deserves what he gets, and uh, you know he's he should be allowed to decide what he wants to do and who he wants to fight. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, he's deserved it, so or he's earned it. Uh, I want to go back to the fight. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to go back to the moment that Tyrone Woodley's elbow connected with yeah. Jake's forehead. I presume that's probably the most adversity he's fought, uh, had to face, maybe throughout anything in his career, whether it's sparring or obviously live action moment. Obviously, Jacob, your cut man, his yeah. cut man, did an excellent job sealing that thing up. But like when that moment happened, take us back. What was going through your mind, and how did you settle the nerves and everything? And 
tackle Ford and get the job done. The cut man was actually Bob from uh, from from right here in Las Vegas. So he did an excellent job stopping the cut. Yeah, Jacob was in the corner with me also, but Bob did a hell of a job. He got in there and got it to stop. And uh, you know, you know, Jake's a warrior. Jake's not worried about that. But obviously, with all things taken into consideration, with the cut, with the crowd, with Tyron fighting a little differently and coming in and making it awkward and more holding on the inside and clinching and a lot of infighting. That that was Tyron's uh, um, that that was his game plan to come in and fight like that to make it to take away Jake's ability to stay on the outside and hit him from will like he was able to do in the first fight. So give Tyron a little credit for making you know some adjustments and coming out and fighting better in the second fight. Um, you know, and uh, it's just one of those situations where uh, you know Jake got back to the corner and he was uh, he was pretty calm. He was sitting there in the corner taking his deep breaths like we always do when he comes back. I'm like look, don't worry about the cut. The cut's not going to be a factor. Don't worry about it. But what I need you to do is I need you to start taunting and feigning him and pulling his hands away from his face because he's reaching every time. And uh, Jake just, you know, listens well, very well, and he just, he, he just goes out there and does it. And the first three or four or five rounds is a little complicated. Tyron put up a great fight, and he was coming forward hard. And it's, it's very tough with a physical, strong wrestler like Tyron to go in there and wrestle with him and punch on the ends. It's very, very difficult. And uh, we weren't able to kind of, you know, we weren't able to get into our groove until later in the fight, but Jake was constantly setting up that shot with the taunts and the feints to get him to pull his hands away. And Tyron was keeping his hands up really high, so it made it difficult. Even when Jake would taunt and feint, he would still keep his hands up. But over time, over three, four, five, six rounds, he started making mistakes, and that's where we caught him. So that's we were constantly the entire time in camp talking about that and setting him up like that. Um, obviously, we didn't want the first six rounds to be close or competitive. They were closer than I like, but uh, Jake was constantly setting up that shot, and that was the one who uh, the shot that uh, ended the end of the fight. And it was uh, it was a beauty. Yeah, I had Tyron up until the moment, even yeah. up on the scorecards. But yeah. but credit to Jake and the patience that he displayed to get that. You know, to obviously to fake to the body to get those feints and everything to drop that left hand down yeah. and then to that right hand put put the lights out like it's done so many times beforehand. The judges had it. <laughs> Four rounds to one for Jake and three two for Jake. I had it close, you know. I had it probably three two for Jake, you know, going into that last last round. But it was there was some, there was some close rounds definitely. And Tyron is definitely you know make, making things uh making things difficult. But um, I think Jake's composure was a lot better in the second fight. He was able to stay calm, stay relaxed. He knew in his mind that he could go eight rounds if he needed to. Um, but when you know you can go eight rounds, it gives you a little confidence to where look. Like, this fight can go eight rounds, but it doesn't necessarily have to go eight rounds. And I'm going to try better to set stuff up instead of just thinking like, oh my gosh, going to go the rounds like the first fight. I don't care how many times you've done it in the gym. Until you've done it in a fight, it's very difficult to have 100% confidence how you're going to do in an eight-round fight or a 10-round fight until you've done it. After the first fight, Jake had more confidence. Jake felt like, look, like you know, I can do it. So it allowed him in his mind to be more clear, to be more concise on what he wanted to do in round six and seven and eight if we would have got there because he knew he can do it. So his entire focus was setting up the shot for the knockout instead of, oh, can I go to the rounds? Am I going to get tired? All that kind of stuff. So it was a good learning lesson for him. In your opinion, was that the best performance that you've seen out of Jake? Um, it's the best knockout against the most credible guy leading up to that point. I think there were some things we could have done differently, but look, it's, here's what it is. Like you get into these big fights and you get in there with good guys who are tough and on world championship level, they're going to come with something different. They're going to, they're going to make things difficult one way or another. And there's fights that are very, very difficult that, um, you know, maybe shouldn't have been difficult, but it's just, it's the, it's the event, it's the opponent, it's everything. Like it's tough to go in there and perform, um, exactly like you want to, especially 
with someone who's only been doing it for two years. So I'm not going to say it's Jake's best performance until the until the knockout. Definitely his best knockout against most credible opponent. No question about that. But before that, you know, we were trying to do some things, and we we're we we're Tyron is making it difficult. Um, I think it was a close fight. Jake was up a little bit, but it was it was definitely a close fight. And uh, you know, but all that matters is how the fight ended. There's so many fights that, you know, are sloppy fights or whatever, but the knockout, the way it was and the way he set it up, I mean, you just got to give him credit for that. It was a beautiful shot and uh, something we've worked on many, many times in the gym, and he just, uh, you know, he just did a hell of a job. And uh, it's it's tough to, in a moment like that, to have the wherewithal, to have the calmness, to have everything you need to be able to deliver that type of, uh, that type of punch, and uh, he did it, so. So now what's the situation with Tommy Ferry? Because obviously – for this rematch to happen with Tyron Woodley, he stepped up because Tommy Ferry pulled out, you know, like less than two weeks leading up to the fight. Um, Tommy Ferry wanted a lot of different things in the negotiations to happen. I know you guys had to go back and offer yeah. more money to yeah. get him to accept the fight to begin with. Now, moving forward with this situation, Tommy fumbled, right? He, yeah, he, he dropped, that dropped the opportunity. What does Tommy Ferry have to do to earn the opportunity to get a crack at Jake Paul? I don't know. I don't even think Tommy Fury's in Jake's mind at all right now. Um, Jake, we all kind of thought the whole time, like, hey, we'll, we'll be surprised if this fight comes off. Um, even after the contracts were signed, even after all the stuff, you know, Tommy was talking, we were just like, yeah, you know, we, we were training so hard for him and working so hard for a game plan for Tommy. Um, and, and when they said that, you know, two weeks before, like, it just, I wasn't surprised. I just, I don't know why I wasn't surprised. And uh, we talked about a couple options, like what we're going to do, if we're going to fight later, if we're going to fight somebody else. And, you know, so... Um, Nikisa and Jake decided, and, and we all kind of talked and decided that, you know, rematch with Tyron to fight on the same time because Jake deserves his holiday. Jake deserves, you know, some of the things he's had planned after the fight. He deserves to have that time off, and we don't want to push it back and, like, not allow him to fight. And it's the worst feeling in the world. So, um, you know, I don't think Tommy's in Jake's mind at all right now. Um, Tommy should maybe go do his own pay-per-view and see how he does, and then uh, we can see the numbers and go go from there. And not to mention, though, too, yeah. uh, like Amanda Serranos and all the other yeah. fighters on oh, the yeah. undercard, too, because you push that back, that screws their payday over, too. So good on Jake for keeping the dates and keeping the show going forward so everybody was able to get paid. The one thing that Jake said when they found out about the opponent pulling out Tommy Fury, he goes, what about the undercard? And that, I mean, that's, it's not, what about me? What about, oh, I'm not going to make, he's like, man, what about the under, what about the undercard guys? So his mind was like, yeah, we got to find a replacement because I don't want the undercard. And now Amanda and... Katie, Katie Taylor. they're talking about a big, big fight coming up in the first quarter, and Jake's even said himself, like, I'm going to put some attention to that. I'm going to make sure this fight is uh, what it's supposed to be. And, I mean, you just got to give the kid a, a pat on the back. For, it's just amazing. So it's just uh, one of those situations where um, he's got the CEO mentality. He's always looking out for his team, always looking out for other people and his, on his cards, and it's just uh, you got to just you, you got to just give the kid give, give him his credit. That's it. And didn't Liam Perro, who got the victory in that card, just yeah. because he got that victory, I think he just signed a deal with uh, Matchroom Boxing, yes. something too. Like if that fight didn't yes. happen, that victory didn't happen, that didn't set up his immediate future. Hundred percent. Look at Montana Love. Yeah, I was yes. just look at the year that Montana yeah. Love. Man, yeah. Shout out to Montana Love. I, I, I love the kid, but I mean, he went in and fought a very, very, very tough uh, Ivan Baranchek in Cleveland. A fight that I didn't think he was going to win. I really didn't. Baronchek's a tough former world champion, very tough guy. Montana Love goes out there in his hometown and beats him and knocks him out and then comes back and has another great performance, what, four months later? I mean, you got to get – these opportunities don't come around like that, and when they do, you just got to love the guy who jumps out as far as he can and grabs the brass ring and swings, and that's exactly what Montana Love did. Um, just amazing. Uh, what Amanda's been able to do – look, Amanda's – 
the best fighter in the world. She is. I don't care what anybody says. And it's going to be a situation where um, now Jay can put some attention to Amanda and Katie Taylor and get that fight the recognition that it needs and uh, really, really drive these pay-per-view numbers up and make it more exciting. And it's just going to, it's going to set them both up for the rest of their life. And it's just, how do you, how do you hate on that? <laughs> you know, tell me, I have no idea. So um, it's just, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch. The one criticism that we do always hear loud and clear from the MMA side is that uh, obviously Jake is fighting MMA fighters, but they always say he's fighting guys that are a division or two lower than his weight class. Like, what does Jake normally walk around at typically? 200, 198. So that would probably be the equivalent of what some of the UFC middleweight, the yeah. uh, middleweights fight, the 185ers right. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, when you hear that, is there any plans or any idea or indication? Because I realize, like, when you go for the Mosfidals, when you go for the Nate Diaz's, right. those names have value. Right. You need a dance partner that's yes. going to bring views, too. You yes. can't solely rely on the backs of Jake Paul. I completely understand the business model. But is there any, let's say, former or current middleweights out there in the MMA world that you guys think maybe this would be a good look or this is someone we could target just to shut up all the naysayers saying he doesn't fight guys his weight class? I think um, the naysayers are going to talk either way. It doesn't really matter. They're still going to talk. They're still going to, you know, oh, Jake, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's about doing what's best for Jake and what makes the most sense for Jake. And that's it. You know, we can, the naysayers, they're always going to talk. Talk to Floyd Mayweather. They're always going to talk. They're always going to say stuff. And everyone's always going to say, well, you didn't fight this guy. There's only so many people. There's only so many opportunities to do. So that's why these 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 things are so valuable. But um, I don't really have anybody picked out in my mind. I think it's all about who's willing to step up and, and work with you know their contract with whatever's going on to be out of it and to work with what's reasonable. I mean, you have to be on planet Earth when you're negotiating these fights. If you're in left field, you know with what the money you should you think you should get, it's it's not going to work. Um, you have to be reasonable and then just uh, like I said, it's just. Uh, it's it's a situation that I don't even put too much thought into because um, Nikis has done such a fantastic job with that. I just kind of sit in the back seat and just you know whatever he says, we talk about it and we we make a decision, and that's that's the way it's worked so far. But what about the naysayers that are saying he's only really calling out MMA fighters? Well, who should he call out? Well, they always say, "Oh, why isn't he fighting boxers?" But that—that's yeah. where the Tommy Fury fight. Yeah. He wanted that. Yeah, so we did Tommy that. Tommy Fury left, so you left that yes. too. So there's nothing you could do there. Yeah. But you know, I I always look at things from all all sides of right. the argument too, and that's why what my last question too was the business side of it too. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you call out a boxer, but who's going to bring the value at the table at right. this early stage of their career? Because he's not gonna. Doesn't make sense to fight Canelo right now. Doesn't make sense to fight a Caleb Plant right now. <laughs> he's got a he's got a lot to prove to get to that level. So what boxer is going to prove it at the box office and record wise, notoriety wise, to drive pay per view, especially a guy who just headlined two pay per view fights? Yeah, I mean, I, if 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 someone can show me someone who's gone out there and, and sold the amount of pay per views that Jake did this year, um, and 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 someone is in a situation where they're like they, they sold as many pay per views as Jake, then We'll talk to him. It doesn't matter what it is. You know what I mean? But Jake also deserves the opportunity to, um, you know, continually to continue to develop his skill set, to continue to work. I mean, Canelo, when he was 5-0, and who was he fighting? You know? Who was he fighting? Terrence Crawford, too. Terrence Crawford was 5-0. Who were they fighting? So it's just um, you got you to gotta make it apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. Um, you can't say, look, this guy's a world champion. He's got 55, 58 fights. Terrence Crawford's got, you know, 36 fights and so many knockouts and, you know, there's a way they got there, and uh, Jake is already on the fast track a lot. But there's still, you know, some steps. We're just we're working on our way up, and he's, he's – I mean, there's nothing I would change about how, how everything's gone. It's been spectacular. So um, the way his career has been mapped out through his manager has been fantastic. Uh, Jake is a warrior. He'll fight anybody. He really doesn't care. 
So um, it's really the, the manager's job to talk, you know, to, to, to bring him the best opportunity because Jake doesn't care who he fights. He'll fight any of them. He really would. Um, so that's that's uh, that's the confidence that I like in him. But it's uh, there's, there's more to it. There's a business side, too. So in the post-fight press conference, he mentioned he'd most likely return in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how he feels, you know. That's a conversation that him and his manager will have as far as, like, what makes the most sense and what they want to do. And uh, like I said, I'm just uh, I'm along for the ride on that one. If they ask me my input, I'll give it. And uh, if not, then let them make that decision. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, you know, Jake, it, it's got to be a timing thing and it's got to be a, a feel thing. He's been going two years straight, and it's it's been very, very intense. And he doesn't perform as well as he did unless he was going as hard as he did for so long. So mentally, he needs a break. If that's 60 days, if that's 90 days, if that's 120 days, whatever that is, that's what we'll do. It doesn't matter. Every time we have people come on the podcast and mm -hmm. we talk about Jake Paul, I always go back to two weeks before the Nate Robinson fight when you brought Helen and I into Bones, uh, Bones yeah. Adams Prince Ranch Boxing Gym. And Jake's doing the work, you know, closed doors. And uh, we've been to that gym a mm -hmm. few different times, watched Caleb Plant, Devin yep. Haney there before. And the one thing that really stood out to us, you know, just from just watching him grow was just his hand speed. Yeah. And just the adaptation he is and willingness to learn and how hard he was working. Oh, yeah. And then obviously, what, 10 days later, he knocks out Nate Robinson and he's been on this crazy ascension to where he's at now to getting sports illustrates knock out of the year espn ringsides knock out of the year and you know being one of the top 10 most google search athletes of 2021 when you look at the ascension and the journey right here like do you ever be like pinchers how the hell am i hearing and got and how did we get here you know do you ever have those moments no because i am was and i've always had 100 percent you know confidence and faith in jake if he really dedicated himself like which he has and he made the changes in his life which he did that he would be a star i mean you can't teach the kind of star potential that he had you can't teach it um it doesn't matter how good you are of a boxer like he's just a star period uh, and he's going to be a star in whatever he does and that's it and so i'm not surprised at all i told him after the gib fight i was like you have no idea how far you're going to go and kind of almost not brainwashed him but told him like look you're going to go this is going to be you next year and this is going to be you next year i'm telling you you have big things coming up trust me we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure this happens, and uh, I'm not surprised at all. I am. Um, I just uh, you know it's it's been it's fun to actually see it go through how how it's went through. But the sky's the limit. It really is. Like you have, I mean, there's a lot more to come too. This kid's this kid's very talented. So um, I just feel like it, it, it's gonna go a lot further. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. Just getting started. You also can't teach his motivation and his work ethic. Nope, you sure can't. And that's the thing that. Our, our motto in the camp has been, you know, we won't be outworked. Um, you know, hard work will never betray you. Um, champions are built in the dark. Those are the kind of sayings that we, like, pride ourselves on. Anyone, anytime, place, like, he really will. It doesn't matter who pulls up the gym. We will find out. We'll go. So he's just on that, you know, um, fear nobody, um, work work tirelessly the entire time. That's his that's his mindset, and that's kind of his vibe right now, where he just will outwork anybody. And it, it doesn't hurt when he's, you know, physically very strong and very fast and, he trains his ass off, and, and he's got that mentality where he will go into the, the ring or wherever with anybody. He doesn't care. So um, it's a good confidence, and uh, it's, it's fun to watch. His brother Logan, obviously, yeah. comes around, um, yeah. and he's there. Yeah. Especially, I, I saw yeah. him there, and 
uh, you know, part of the team, uh, those key moments and everything like that. What sense do you have from Logan that he wants to get back into boxing? Because obviously I had a huge, you know, exhibition yeah. match with Floyd Mayweather. He'd been linked to right. a fight with Mike Tyson, which doesn't seem like it's happening. Yeah. Do you sense that Logan has more motivation to continue his boxing career? I have no idea. I can't really speak on Logan, but all I can say is he's just been a great influence for Jake and camp and supports Jake. And it's always, you know, it's Jake's older brother. You always have kind of a weird look up to relationship with your older brother. So I think Jake is always, Jake Jake kind of, you know, lights up a little bit when Logan's around. So I like having Logan around uh, when he comes to training sessions, when he comes to watch sparring. Um, it's just, it's just been, it's been really cool. I got an older brother too that I always kind of looked up to and has always, you know, kind of got me started in a lot of things. So it's just, I understand the relationship and the dynamics of it. And they're the same distance apart as me and my older brother are too. And it's just like, you know, it's been great. Like Logan has just been, you know, he's very positive. He's very sharp. He's, he's smart. He knows what's going on. And he just, I think he appreciates the work that his little brothers put in. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Logan got the best Christmas present ever whenever Jake was getting the nomination for all these different knockouts and everything. And I just, he, he's very happy for him. There's no jealousy. And it's just, uh, it's, it's exactly how um, a relationship should be. Crazy to see just yeah. these two brothers come yeah. in here in yeah. the past couple of years and just take over the fight game. Uh, they work, man. Um, they work. Logan works too. Jake works. Uh, they come from that, you know, that Midwest mentality. We're gonna, you're not gonna outwork us. We work hard, and uh, they just really, really, really just, uh, you know, they're tough kids. They really are. So um, you give a, a guy with with that much, uh, you know, mental toughness, that much physical ability, and that much. Uh, opportunity and that much of a following um you, you combine all those things and it's going to be something special and that's what uh that's what jake's journey has been over the last two years well earlier you mentioned about tommy fury and obviously tyson fury a few days ago he tweeted something about francis and ganu because francis has his title fight coming up but wow. he has called out deontay and tyson in the past what do you make of kind of that whole situation Oh man, Francis Ngannou is just man. He's so fun to watch, and he's so big and strong and explosive, and such a powerful athlete. But um, with Tyson Fury, that's one guy that you. It's very, very difficult to go in there with a guy like Tyson Fury. It's not. Look, it might look easy on TV, but it's not. Tyson Fury is the real deal. Period. And uh, you know, Francis will struggle incredibly with a guy like Tyson Fury. It's not going to be able to go out there and just hit him and. Like it looks. I mean, you got to remember the guy's six nine with the the skill set of a of a hundred and forty seven pound world champion. He really is. Um, Tyson Fury can call out whoever he wants. You know, it's gonna he's gonna beat him. Period. So it's like one of those situations where you know, um, you know, it's gonna be very tough for Francis for for a fight with Tyson Fury. I would like to see him fight somebody else instead of Tyson Fury. There's other guys he could fight that would still be big. Um, I don't know if financially it makes sense, but he's not ready for Tyson Fury. But uh, he's he's but he's a special Deontay Wilder. <laughs> he's not ready for Deontay Wilder either. Trust me, Deontay Wilder is also. I mean, you got to look like Tyson Fury is the best in the world, and Deontay Wilder in the second fight, especially with Malik Scott, he really put some things together and had a different game plan and just really looked a lot more sharp and crisp and didn't rely on the knockout. And you know what? It, it's true. Fighters can have bad nights and. Deontay Wilder had a bad night with Tyson Fury um, in the second fight, and then the third night, the third fight, he kind of came back to who he was, and Malik reminded him a lot of a lot of his skill set, and he was able to do that in the ring. So I'm just, it was a great performance. I just figure too with the narrative with Deontay Wilder too, yeah. Francis Ngannou, the heaviest puncher in the world. Man. It's just a spectacle in the room. I mean, especially I, getting I'm, people. Paid. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I don't care where it's at. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm buying the fight. If Deontay Wilder fights uh, Ngannou, I'm buying it. 
I love Francis and and Deontay. I don't really know personally. I met him a couple times, but I've always been a, you know a fan of his body of work. And he's a big puncher, and he's just a he brings a lot of entertainment, a lot of excitement. And uh, if he wants to fight again, I would love to see him and Francis Ngannou. But uh, I know where my money's at. <laughs> it's on Deontay. But uh, Francis will make it interesting while while it lasts. Want to take this time real quick to let you know that today's <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Sheath Underwear, the Love most it. comfortable yes. underwear in the world. I got you red. Thank you, bro. Red panty night. I XL actually, this time. I actually love red, and the XLs are going to work a little better than the larges you got me last time. So this uh, this is a great gift. And, uh, you know, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. It separates this the balls great. from the shaft. It's yes. a different feel, but they're pretty comfortable. Well, I'm excited to try them on. Thanks so much for uh, for the gift. I appreciate it. Use the promo code SHMO, get 20% off, sheathunderwear.com. You won't be disappointed. What do you think Bud Crawford should do? Because we were at that fight after he beat Porter. You Man. know, he was, his contract's over with yeah. top rank. Obviously, everyone talks about the best fighters fighting the best fighters when it comes to boxing, and everyone's linked to the Errol yeah. Spence Jr. fight. I ran into Errol. I brought him up. Crawford kind of left, uh, you know, left. Or, sorry. Errol ran off. He didn't run off, but it was a He trailer. walked off. He walked off. He didn't like the question. He, of course, he doesn't like the question. I understand you get it all the time. Gets it all the time, yeah. But, like, uh, if you're Bud Crawford, what do you think should be the move? Um, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of big names from the fight at 147. Um, but if he wanted to go to 154, I think there's also some, you know, some good names there. Uh, I just feel like, you know, Crawford, what he was able to do with uh, Sean, Sean um, Porter in the last fight, he just... Uh, I was a fan of Crawford always, but I just always kind of in the back of my mind didn't really think um, when he fought the top, top guys that he would be able to like get him out of there like he did with Sean, and I was wrong. And he did a tremendous job, and you got to give Terrence Crawford full credit for what he was able to do. It was a very close fight going into that you know 10th and 11th round, but the way he gets his distance and his separation and able to, to come from different angles and go southpaw and orthodox like that and be so effective from both styles, I mean, it's just the kid's a, the kid's a special, special talent. He really is. So... Um, as far as business-wise, I mean, he hasn't done many pay-per-views at all. So it's like one of those situations where you fight a Bud Crawford and you fight a guy who's probably skill set-wise one of the best, if not the best fighter in the world, but doesn't necessarily bring the value of, uh, you know, some of the other guys uh, that, that, that have sold more pay-per-views than him. So it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation for him to be in. Yeah, he doesn't have the most charismatic skills on the mic and everything <laughs> no. like that, but you bring up a good yeah. point with the pay-per-views yes. and stuff like that. But looking at the side from where you come from right. and then the traditional side and then obviously being involved in this Jake Paul world and right. the MVP promotions yes. and starting the whole uh, you know promotion on Jake Paul's end and then you know his situation with pay-per-views, leaving top rank or yeah. not continuing his contract at top rank, being a free agent on that side – if you are arguably the number one pound for pound fighter in the world, if not number one, you're number two, and you're Bud Crawford, business wise, what's going to be the smartest move going forward? I don't know. That's a situation where um, him and his team and his managers would have to look at. I, there's not, you know, anybody that I don't think he would be matched up. Should, then he shouldn't be the favorite. Um, even Errol Spence, uh, who I've always been a massive fan of, it's obviously a very different fight with Errol Spence than it is with Sean Porter, but. Uh, with that being said, um, you know, once Errol's, you know, kind of coming back and has this fight, I think he's going to fight Ugas pretty Ugas. soon. And that's a very tough fight also. So, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, Errol Spence, you can't win. You know, you fight uh, Danny Garcia and now you're fighting Ugas again or fighting Ugas. And it's just one tough fight after another tough fight. Danny Garcia, former champion, also very, very tough. And Errol Spence before that, you know, Sean Porter. I mean, the guy just fights tough, tough guys every single fight. And, uh, you know, if you're Crawford, I mean, you just got to, like, look at the landscape of what's going on and see what makes the most business uh, financial sense for you and go after that because he can beat probably anybody. Yeah, PBC has the cream of the crop at the yeah. welterweight division, yeah. so it's easy to make those fights. You right. Know, the ones you just mentioned, the Crawford, 
been with top rank this whole time. So, you know, obviously until the Porter fight, that was the first PBC fight that he really got in recent times. So. Right. And it's, it's, it's a decision, you know, um, Terrence is going to have to look and, and see what makes the most business sense for him because he deserves it. He's worked his ass off. He deserves it. He's fought tough guys. He's been in with a lot of guys, and now it's time for him to, you know, really make the money. So whatever makes the most business sense for uh, for Terrence, that's what he should do. Um, I can't say what that is, but uh, he's he's definitely earned it, and he definitely deserves it. Another pound-for-pound pound great, Canelo. Mm -hmm. What do you think should be next for him? Man, he's just got so many options, and he's fought so many tough guys, and I just – whatever he wants. Like, he fought – I mean, he's, he really fights – tough tough guys every single fight besides his mandatories but he can't help that that's not his his job that the mandatories are where they're at and if he wants to keep the belt he has to so um i don't know could canelo can do anything he wants and it's i mean he's just such a tough ridiculously strong mentally um hard worker uh i don't even i, I can't even say enough good things about canelo how he is in the ring it's just so difficult to do what he's been able to do in boxing it's hard to explain uh, he's just such a talented kid, and he should just fight whoever makes the most business sense for him because he deserves it too. Who are you paying attention to the most and implementing to your training styles that, that's in the game right now? Um, I watch, honestly, he's not in the game right now, but I, I show Jake a lot of Andre Ward, how he's able to set things up. Andre was a master at changing levels. He's a master at taunting and feigning. He's a master at setting up certain shots at the right opportunity, and he didn't waste punches. And uh, that's kind of what I like to style, you know, Jake's, Jake style off. I, I like to follow Andre Ward style with his his efficiency, his work rate, how it, his pace, um, how he sets things up with the taunts and the feints, and how he attacks head body all the time and makes his opponent really at all times defend the entire playing field. And that's when things really get difficult, especially when you get in rounds like four, five, six, and seven. To do that over time, some, there's some guys that can do it for three or four rounds, but to do it for five, six, seven, and eight, nine like Andre was so good at, he's just a special fighter. And mentally, there's nobody more tough. And uh, I, I really like a lot that he stands for, and he's been one of my good friends for a long time. And uh, you know, we 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 like to emulate him. He's very very good. And Jake's still got a ways to go until he can do that, obviously. But that's somebody I show him that that's really really effective. Well, what improvements would you like to see out of Jake in 2022 to, in order to see him continue to grow and improve as a boxer? I mean, obviously he's gonna gonna continue to get better, obviously. But um, you know. The, the things that I would like to do better, um, you know, I, I can't complain at all about everything he's done so far has been so excellent. I mean, just more experience, more opportunities under the bright lights, more um, keeping his, his nerves and his adrenaline calm when you're walking out to the ring and right before that first bell rings to stay calm and stay relaxed. But the only way to do that, guys, the only way is just with time and experience. There's nothing a book or anybody or I could say to him or anybody could say to him that will that will make it more easy until he just continually does it more. And uh, it's just going to become easier and easier. And learning how to control those nerves is a massive, massive um, advantage if you're able to do that. So um, him being exposed to these kind of you know crowds, and these kind of pay-per-views, and this kind of stuff on Showtime at such a young age and such early, so early in his career, it's only going to help him down the road. It's only going to make him more dangerous down the road. So you've had camps in California, yep. Vegas, Miami, and obviously most re recently Puerto yep. Rico. That seems to be the home. Is yep. Puerto Rico for the long haul? Yeah, Jake's uh, Jake's living out there. Um, I've been living out there. Um, everyone's kind of living out there, and it's been uh, one of those situations where Jake doesn't get bothered out there. He lives in a great um, great neighborhood. Uh, he's got a good circle of friends out there, just people who just, you know, a lot of support and a good support system. And it's just away from California, and it's away from, you know, people that, you know, mess with him all the time, and it's easy for him just to relax out there, and he's, he's really happy. Him and his girlfriend, they just have a great time. And, uh, you know, whether it's training or just regular life, Puerto Rico's home for Jake right now.
What's next on the agenda for you coming up? Um, nothing. I got like, you know, three, three or four months off and just, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to do what I always do. I'm just going to keep myself in good shape, go to the gym. I'm going to continually study what I'm supposed to be studying, what I'm looking at. Um, a couple, you know, business opportunities and things like that. And just, I got my whole separate side stuff that I kind of do too. And, um, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's what I like. I'm going to travel a little bit. I'm going to go, uh, go see a couple places. I might go to Europe. I might go to South America. Um, I, I really enjoy traveling. So it's, uh, that's kind of like my, my, my place. If I can travel, it's like, it's easy for me to recharge and refocus whenever I'm traveling at a nice place that I enjoy. So a little bit of traveling, um, continually working out, staying sharp and, and just being, being ready for whatever happens next. Is home for you Scottsdale? Um, I have a house out there, but, um, home is, you know, still kind of Puerto Rico right now. Um, I, I consider where I'm from kind of, you know, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, Phoenix area. And, uh, you know, uh, but when, when I'm off, like right now, when I'm taking time off, I'll be in Vegas for a couple more days. I'll be back in Scottsdale a little bit, but then I'm going to start traveling. Um, I have a place in Miami that, uh, I go back and forth to too. So it's just, and then that's close to Puerto Rico. So it's kind of easy. And I just kind of like to travel when I'm off. So <laughs> for sure. I don't know Sounds if I answered the nice. question at all. <laughs> yeah. Circled around that one. So what are you doing in Vegas? Just, just you know, visiting some friends. Um, had a couple business meetings, uh, stuff I'm working on for the next quarter and for the next couple years. And just, you know, um, I lived in Vegas for 10 years. So I got a lot of, you know, very important people in my life that live out here. And it's good to see them ch and touch up with them after I haven't been able to for, you know, almost 12 months. So it's nice to come out and hang out, go see some shows, go to some nice dinners, and then go home and go to sleep. Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, um, it's just, it's just fun to be out here with all the entertainment, like all the Cirque du Soleil shows, all the good restaurants and just connect with some friends and, and that's it. A lot has changed though in yeah. Vegas. Oh yeah. And Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to, uh, I haven't been to the Allegiant Stadium yet, um, but there is a big game tomorrow that I will be attending the Raiders Chargers, Chargers game yeah. and nice. I'm all over the Raiders for that. We need this to win we need to get this win and go to the playoffs. And I just feel like, um, you know, with Derek Carr back there and a couple other weapons we got, I feel like we're going to be able to get the job done. So. Oh, I just have to give a huge <laughs> shout out and congratulations to the fantasy football league champion, oh, wow. David. David <laughs> it's nice. about damn time. <laughs> right? It's all my college runs. It's, four, it's 14 teams, so it's deep. Page your dues. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> He's fun. like screaming every Sunday. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But also I'll... I do a survivor pool. Like I'm going to take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do a survival pool. There's like 60 people in there where based off of the odds of that, that team winning the Super Bowl, right. you can only pick X amount of teams. So right. I picked my four winners for this year. Nice. I'm in first place. Uh, nice. The four teams I picked for the winners this year, two NFC and then two uh, AFC. I, okay. I took uh, – the Packers and the Rams. They've been on fire all year. One and two, I think, right there. Yeah. And then the AFC, the Titans and the Chiefs. Oh, man. Jeez, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't does it? get any better than that. The Chiefs scared you a little bit midseason, I bet. But then yeah. they got back on track. Their defense really tightened up. The Titans able to like do what they've been able to do without Derrick Henry. Yeah. But it's a good football team. Yeah. It's not just a team that's one-dimensional with Derrick Henry. I mean, that's you know they still won games when he wasn't in. And uh, you know what do you say about Matthew Stafford and the Rams? I mean, they've been on fire. They've been very good. And... Um, your other NFC, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he couldn't have had a better year. This guy just wins and covers the spread every single week. It's just incredible, like, what he's able to do. I mean, it's not even close. 
just bet on the Packers game. Put put your sunglasses on and just get ready for a bright future. <laughs> and it's so crazy though. <laughs> they look too. good right now. They look amazing. They the look first good. game of the season, I think they played New Orleans yeah. and Jacksonville yes. because there's some sort of situation where they couldn't play the home home game New right. Orleans back at home in their home stadium. Right. They got clobbered the Packers. Yeah. New Orleans took them to it. It was like twenty eight to three, some crazy score like that. And ever since then they've just been on a roll. I think it was one of those games where they were just surprised. I think uh who was quarterbacking for the uh New Orleans man? Was it Winston? Winston, yeah. James Winston. And he's he's one of those guys if he gets hot it, it can be difficult and if you get a lead and then you're up you know 14-0 then 17-0 then 21-0 whatever it was and then it forces Aaron Rodgers to pass every time you, you know the defensive line they pin their ears back and they, you know it, it makes it tough so um, I don't know what happened that game but the Packers have recovered very nicely and uh, you got you to look for them in the playoffs they're, they're a real real contender for this year's Super Bowl I know Tom Brady's the fucking GOAT but man yeah. oh man distractions after distractions <laughs> with AB leaving the team now too and all this stuff that he has to go through mm-hmm. they're still always 